The book of Psalms, starting with Psalm 72. So Solomon, this one's written by Solomon. Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon, or Song of Songs, depending on what your Bible calls it. And most of the Proverbs, but uh, he also dabbled in Psalms. So we're here, that's what we have here. And right away, this, this Psalm harkens back to what... Um, brought upon the blessing of the Lord in Solomon's life. Because if you remember, Solomon, as soon as he became king, went up. Uh, I, I forget the name of that town. started with a G, I think. But uh, he, he went up to um, pray to the Lord in the high place and uh, ask for, uh, you know, well, God said, I'll give you whatever you want. And so he, he prayed for wisdom. He said, I've got to lead these people. I don't know how to do it. And so I, I need your wisdom. And so God says, ah, this is the perfect answer. And because you did not ask for lots of money, lots of power, lots of uh, just all the other things that most men would ask for, but you asked for wisdom in order to be a good king, I will not only give you the wisdom you asked for, but I'll give you all these other things that people want. And so this is just a powerful principle. Seek first the kingdom and all these other things will be given to you, is what Jesus said. Um, and so this, this has to work out in a practical way when a mature son of God is raised up in order to be a king and a priest in the order of Melchizedek. So these are real things, not, not that we become kings in an earthly sense where we have a, you know, a kingdom as far as a territory in, in uh, you know, I'm in, I'm in Cedar Park, which is by Austin. Um, you know, it's not for me to be the king of Cedar Park. It's to be a king in the spiritual realm and to be given the authority over the areas, the jurisdiction that the Lord gives to me. And the same same is for you. And this does not happen just because we become saved, but it is the plan of God for all people who accept it and mature into these things. And so uh, these are two, two different aspects of what it means to be under the order of Melchizedek, which has replaced the Levitical order, the priesthood of God. But also there's a kingly orientation to it. And so here, Solomon is showing us what it means to be given authority by the king of kings as a king. And that is to continually be seeking God for his wisdom, his counsel, his judgments on matters, so that we can be like Jesus who said, I do nothing of my own, but only what I see the Father doing. You see that? It does not happen like these things come together. So humbling ourselves unto the Lord happens <laughs> in large part because he disciplines us as we grow. Just like he, you know, I often quote, uh, Jesus was made perfect through suffering. Well, that means he was... He was disciplined into perfection. And so that, that doesn't refer to suffering on the cross. That was obviously the be-all, end-all. 
but it was the discipline of walking his whole life obedient to the Lord, not unto the ways of the flesh, but unto the ways of the spirit. That was the um, suffering and was the discipline. And it's the same with everyone that follows after this path that we um, that we are disciplined in his ways, which means suffering because our flesh wants to go a different way. And so we are raised up into his way so that we uh, are transformed to be more and more like him and we can more and more easily access his wisdom and his judgments. And then he trusts us to give us jurisdiction over certain areas in the spirit. This whole life, and I think this was a question from yesterday, but this whole life is about the spiritual reality of life. All the people that we encounter are in a similar battle. We have to be raised up in order to be God's help to these people. But in order to do that, this doesn't happen. It's not about giving food and clothing to people who don't have food and clothing. That, that's wonderful, that's good. But that's, that's an earthly thing. Um, there's a spiritual kingdom that happens. So when Paul says, I fight, you know, we, we fight not against the flesh, but against uh, things of the spirit, the principalities and powers. I can't quote it, sorry. Um, but I do remember it was about Ephesians 6.12, I think. Um, so... When, when he says that, this is a man who they have tried to kill. They've beaten him. They've uh, everything has happened to him. They've stoned him. Um, they've you know done everything they could against him. So this is a man who knows real enemies in the flesh. Because everywhere he goes, the Jewish authorities would raise up against him to try to kill him, or at least throw him in jail. And yet he is teaching us our enemies are not people of flesh and blood. He, he understands these people are uh, driven by spirits, by demons, by higher powers and principalities. They are the ones that are against me, not the people. If these things, if these people would be willing or could, could be made aware of a better way and a better life, these these influences could be removed from them, and then they could be matured up as sons of God that who know you know who know the ways of God, but they have to be in agreement. God gives everyone free will, and so whether whether for good or for evil, our experience in this world and those we interact with, it is about the spiritual life. The physical life is just another, I mean, it, it's obviously we live it every day. We're always aware of it. We're born into it. And that's all we know until we become more aware of spiritual realities. So we still exist. We are in the world, but not of it, as the scripture says. Um, and so that's what we continually have to train ourselves upon and open ourselves up to. And so that's what we see here with Solomon. He's saying, I need your judgments. I need your righteousness to the king's son. 
may he, which may you, judge your people. Well, sorry, sound my own self. May I, it was Psalm saying, judge your people with righteousness and your afflicted with justice. And so Solomon goes on to pray, you know, for specific things. That the Lord bless the, the afflicted and the needy. That he, he crush those who come a, against the, God's good and righteous people. Um, and then he, you know, then he does uh, get into the, the other things God promised. The kings of Tarshish bringing presents. And Sheba, kings of Sheba and Seba offer gifts. All kings bowing down, all nations serve him. So this is the reality that Solomon experienced. It's also the reality when we are raised up in Jesus. If we're completely obedient to Jesus and we're mature to a, a weos son of God, one completely uh, matured and raised up, then he will not bring us against any enemy. He will not allow any enemy to come against us that we do not have the authority over. In other words, there are all, and that's what Ephesians 6.12 points to, there are all sorts of layers of authority and powers in the uh, realm of darkness, just as there are in the realm of light. Um, but because we are uh, under the king of kings who's over everything he gets to assign the battlefield and we only have enemies against us that we can overcome now that often takes some figuring out how to do that <laughs> it doesn't necessarily come easy it has to be worked out and that's the process of discipline of suffering of growing of maturing of understanding the ways of the Lord more clearly. Or at least that's part of that process. There's there's many other aspects, but that's certainly part of it. And it's a little difficult to follow the pronouns because it, the way I'm reading it, it, it appears that Solomon, as the one writing the prayer, is, is, is praying somewhat for a lot of uh, adulation. Um, in, in that sense, if we're applying this to our lives today, we would we would describe this as a messianic uh, prayer in that Jesus is the one that, that all bless and all... Um, it's, in, a, in a matter of fact, Jesus, when he lived his life, he was not looking for everyone to, to be blessing him and lifting him up. He always deferred that to God. And, and uh, uh, so this is, and I think it's to your point yesterday, Van... This this is, if I'm reading the pronouns right, and he's not talking about God, but because it seems like he's shifting from him, and then later he shifts back to God. Like, 17, may his name endure forever. I, I think he's talking about himself. Because um, then he shifts, that all nations call him blessed, but then he shifts to blessed be the Lord God. So if he's talking about God, then that all works fine. If he's talking about himself, then, okay, that's the way he was looking at it. And, hey... God said these things. God promised these things. So nothing wrong with him writing them down. But um, but that's that's not the way of Christ. And so there's a greater understanding now that he who must be great must be small, like must be a servant to all. Um, it's, it's not healthy to even want 
um, that kind of thing. And, and honestly, any, you know, I'll tell you for myself and I'm not saying I'm all, I'm anywhere of, of, I'm still looking forward to the growth that I think and I believe and I know is going to happen in me. I'm not impressed with where I am, but I can tell you when I was much younger in my walk, I, I wanted much mightier things. And I can also tell you that that has been totally removed from me. I'm happy being uh, a very unknown, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm happy in being a quiet place with the Lord. And so I've come to a place where if there's those that, that I can teach that the Lord brings to me, I'm happy to teach. But I'm not looking to build myself a church or anything like that, um, which might have, I mean, I, I was never driven to be a pastor or I would have gone that direction. But in the business world, I, I had some aspirations of doing mighty things for God. Um, and I just as I've grown, the Lord's kind of removed that kind of self-promotion or those ideas of what I should be in and for the Lord. And instead, I just care about knowing the Lord. I want to know the Lord. And if he's got something for me to do, I want to do it. And so if um, th this is, uh, you know, sorry if this is a little bold, but this is a greater understanding. This is a greater wisdom than what Solomon had, even though the Bible called Solomon the most wise ever. Um, we can see how he ended his life, that that did not, he did not stick to that. And worrying about whether your name endures forever, if that's, if I'm reading this correctly, and again, he's a little sloppy with pronouns, um, um, that, that is too self-focused for the life of the Spirit, and that is not the way Jesus teaches. However, if we look at this as he, Jesus is this king who all the nations should call blessed, who then absolutely that he has the name that must be lifted up and not only him but blessed be the Lord God the God of Israel who alone works wonders and blessed be his glorious name forever and may the whole earth be filled with his glory amen and amen the prayers of David the son of Jesse are in huh Interesting. Okay. So this is titled, uh, it's, it's of Solomon. So, but then it gives the impression it's of David. I'm sorry, I've done no research on anyone else's thoughts on this psalm. I'm just reading it. But, okay, the ending makes me wonder if David's praying over his son Solomon. Uh, give the king your judgment. So that's the impression I have as I end the psalm. And we're at 15 minutes on one psalm, so... I'm going to move on to 73. We had a uh, psalm of Asaph earlier, and now I think this is the first of quite a few songs of Asaph. And so some people think it was there might have been various temple singers under the house of Asaph, or, or maybe Asaph wrote them all, we don't know. But uh, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. And the... The word Israel is a very complicated word in Scripture. Um, the, there came to be an understanding when there was no country of Israel. 
for, you know, close to 2,000 years. What was it, like 1,900 years? Not quite 1,900, maybe? Um, the, you know, it fell... Well, technically, it wasn't even a country before the year 70, but there was, you know, it kind of existed up until the Romans just absolutely destroyed it in the year 70. And then it uh, became a new country again in, what, 1940-something? Um and so, you know, there's a lot of Christians making a lot of doctrine till then. And what became the common thing to do was to completely replace the world, word Israel with basically Christians or the body of Christ or, you know, the people of God currently. And, and there's some accuracy to that. But the problem is they overdid that. Because sometimes it absolutely means Israel. Sometimes it absolutely means the people of Israel, the Jewish people today. And But that was hard for them to fathom because there was no <laughs> country of Israel at that time. And so they, they, that looked like that was impossible. So they just thought that all of the things were replaced. But when it... When there's ones like this, surely God is good to Israel? Absolutely. This means the people of God. And so you know, we can generally replace that to apply to ourselves when we're reading. Um, but keep in mind also, sometimes it means what it says. And this is an interesting uh, psalm just about the ways of the wicked versus the ways of the righteous. And he says he almost slipped and went the ways of the wicked because it, he looks and he sees, hey, these people are getting rich. They're, things are going well for them. They're They're not good people, but but they're doing okay. They're they're violent. And nothing bad happens to them. Um, they, you know, they mock and wickedly speak of oppression. They speak from on high, and I don't see any judgment of God on them. And so, I kind of thought maybe I should go this way. He says, "For I have been stricken all day long and chastened every morning." This starting in fourteen, in fifteen. If I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. When I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight until I came into the sanctuary of God. Then I perceived their end. So he says, I, you know, why? these people are do, doing bad things and, and it seem, seemingly good things are happening to them. And yet I'm following in the way of the Lord and it's difficult for me. And we just talked about that earlier being chastened by the Lord, being disciplined by the Lord. He says, I, I pondered this to understand it. It's, it's troublesome to me. He said, and then I came into the sanctuary of God and I perceived their end. He said, I came into a more eternal understanding. I'm not looking at what happened this day or this year or this decade to those who chose evil, but I'm looking at the entirety of their life and their existence. And I realize their way, they will regret it forever. And this way will lead to blessedness. And that's what I want. So he says in 23, I am continually with you. You have taken hold of my right hand. With your counsel, you will guide me. And afterward, receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on the earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you will perish. You have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of your works. 
that fits really neatly into what we were talking about earlier. And then I'm going to do 74. And in this one, uh, Asaph is just crying out to God. We've got destruction on all sides. Remember your people. We need you. We need. <laughs> There's no sign of you, but we're we're experiencing devastation. It sounds like they had a real, you know, real enemy that came, you know, pillaging everywhere and destroying. See, even I slipped into it. I called it a real enemy. What I meant is a physical enemy um, versus a spiritual enemy. But that's really not what's real. What's real is the spiritual. See how easy it is to slip into thinking in the earthly terms, but God's whole point is for us to be more and more consumed with the reality, with spiritual realities that are the eternal realities that are going on around us. So starting in 12, he's just spent the last 11 verses crying out to God at all the devastation that he sees no sign of God around him. He says, yet God is my king from of old who works deeds of deliverance in the midst of the earth. You divided the sea by your strength. You broke the heads of the sea, monsters in the water. You crushed the heads of Leviathan. You gave him his food for the creatures of the wilderness. You broke. So he's, he, I won't read them all, but he's just talking about God is sovereign and we are God. So I wait on the Lord. And he says, uh, starting in 18, he says, yes, I know. I realize you, a foolish people has spurned your name. I mean, he could be talking about enemies, but but I think he's talking about the people of God. Yes, we haven't taken you, your covenants, seriously. He says, but do not deliver the soul of your turtle dove to the wild beast. Do not forget the life of your afflicted forever. So he's saying some of us are keeping to your ways. And this applies very well to a remnant people today that God is raising up. He says, consider the covenant for the dark places of the land are full of the habitations of violence. Let not the oppressed return dishonored. Let the afflicted and needy praise your name. Arise, O God, and plead your own cause. Remember how the foolish man approaches you all day long. Do not forget the voice of your adversaries, the uproar of those who rise against you. Wish ascends continually. Well, okay, last couple of verses <laughs> were a little a downer, but... Uh, arise, O oh God, and plead your own cause. So I, um, he's calling unto the Lord. He's waiting on the Lord. He's depending on the Lord. Amen. And let's do 75. He starts by thanking the Lord, which is always a good place to start. And understanding the Lord's sovereignty and selecting times and judging everything, judging people, judging realities, the earth and all who dwell in it melt. It is I who have firmly set its pillars, says the Lord. God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. For a cup is in the hand of the Lord and the wine foams. It is well mixed and he pours out of this. Surely all the wicked of the earth must drain and drink down its dregs. But as for me, I will declare it forever. I will sing praises to the God of Jacob and all the horns of the wicked he will cut off, but the horns of the righteous will be lifted up. We're living in a time like this right now where God is going to make a clear dividing line and the whole world is facing judgment and, and, that, and judgment is good. And judgment, if you, if you read biblically, it always comes with blessing his remnant people and, and bringing, bringing the reality of the errors of their ways 
to the wicked. And the wicked means, I mean, we're all wicked until we give our lives completely to the Lord, right? So, you know, there's still wickedness in me that the Lord hasn't, it's not completely gone yet. And uh, I work to have that done. But some are completely given to wickedness. And if the judgment doesn't come, they continue on in their error, in their ways. And so it is by the grace and love and mercy of God that judgment comes to wake people up, to say, wait a minute, this way I've been living is not a good way. Is there a better way? And then you start to see what's what's in the depths of people's heart. And then again, this is for the heart to know, not for not for us to know unless the Lord gives it for us to know according to one who's appointed to us. But uh, but the, the, some will just go, get more and more wicked and it will be scary to look at. You know, scary, scary. I'm using a colloquialism there. Not scary as in we should have fear of them if we're in the Lord, but terrible, sad, you know, and and disturbing. Let's put it that way. Um, and some, but many will be woken up to, ah, there's got to be a better way in this. What is it? And that's when they come to find the Lord. And so, as for me, I will declare it forever and sing praises to the God of Jacob. And then uh, I, th- I think we'll see if we can get two more and we'll go to 76. This psalm is, is very similar to the last one. It's very similar themes. Um, he starts by praising the Lord and knowing that he is great. His name is known. His tabernacle is there. Salem is Jerusalem. Um, Melchizedek was the king of Salem, which is Jerusalem. Later became known as Jerusalem. He he just he goes on and on in, in beautiful ways about God is good and all powerful. He, you know, he rebukes one and they're destroyed. He he is to be feared that we have no fear of anything else but him because he is all powerful. Why would we fear anything else in this world? The the reality of the fallen life is that we fear all kinds of little things. You know, we may not call them fears, but well, if I do this, that's probably going to happen and Oh, it's going to be terrible, and I don't want that, so I'm going to avoid that because I don't want that. That's fear. Uh, God is the only one to be feared. We move forward in righteousness with a heart to serve the Lord, and He will work out all those other little fears that we are worried about. We lay those at His feet and say, I'm going to go the right way with you, God. And I'm not worried one bit about all the other consequences because I believe you will work them out. 10. For the wrath of man shall praise you. With a remnant of wrath you will gird yourself. Make vows to the Lord your God and fulfill them. Let all who are around him bring gifts to him who is to be feared. He will cut off the spirit of princes. He is feared by the kings of the earth. Amen. And let's go to 77. He's celebrating. He says, my voice rises to God and I cry aloud. My voice rises to God and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. In the night, my hand was stretched out with weariness, without weariness. My soul refused to be comforted. When I remember God, then I am disturbed. When I sigh, then my spirit grows faint. You have held my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. So he starts out by just praising the Lord and remembering his trouble and his need for God. 
And he's judging things on his timeline. But he knows, but he's doing it with a, with a heart for God. So he says, I meditate with my heart and my spirit ponders. Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never be favorable again? Has his loving kindness ceased forever? Has his promise come to an end? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Or, you know, I haven't read the rest yet, but uh, yeah, sometimes we feel like, Lord, I've been waiting a long time. <laughs> but he, he's doing it in a way that he's just seeking out the Lord. The Lord is completely fine with us taking every thought, concern, worry to him in prayer. He loves that. Um, and But then as we grow, it's probably where this psalm is going to go. Uh, we grow more and more peace in waiting on the Lord because more and more we see his hand at work in our lives and realize God's got this. If it's taking longer than I think it should take, well, there's probably a good reason for that. And I believe and trust in the Lord. And actually that's where the psalmist goes, starting in 11. I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your deed. So he just came to the same place I did. Um, just a few thousand years before me. <laughs> but uh, he, you know, he's like, I, I don't, I'm not experiencing just the blessedness of your life right now, but I know it's true. I can, I, I mentioned in my, in your life, but you can see it in the Bible and you can, you can appropriate that for yourself and say, these truths of the Lord are real. And so I'm going to stand on them. And then as you grow, you get more and more of these things in your own life and, and you're even more built up. You become a strong tower in him because you see all the ways he's worked in you. Your way, O oh God, is holy. What well, God is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your strength among the peoples. And he continues on like that till 20. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So bless the Lord. He is always guiding us into his green pastures, even if it seems like we have enemies on all sides. And he has far more than that plan for us than just protecting us, but making his glory known in and through us. And we'll end there today. May the Lord bless you.